We're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about in our anxiety series, we're going to talk about uh, how to find calm in a chaotic world. I don't need to talk about a chaotic world very much to you. Um, but I think it's important to sort of acknowledge, and it can be hard to acknowledge, chaos is a part of everybody's world. So don't have a pity party for yourself. I mean, in the greatest way people get your attention is by telling you how terrible life is. You go, like, have you ever been to a party and someone starts telling a story? And like, you wouldn't believe. And everybody goes. Right? So all the stuff that you hear on the news, all the things you hear everywhere, it's, it's got to be dramatized in order for it to get your attention. Right? So you've been convinced that it is the most unbelievable, unprecedented, horrific end of the world scenario for you right now today. And then you go, oh, really? But the news is, the, the reality is, it was chaotic for your grandparents. Oh, the Great Depression, that was just smooth sailing for everybody. Or World War II, or I, I could go on and on. I don't really need to prove my point. And you just go back in time and, you know, the, the, the Black Plague. And in other words, be careful, be careful. Just know this. Um, chaos is a part of everybody's world at some point in time. And what we're going to try to learn during this series, if we're willing, if you're open-minded, is to not try to fix the world, but to try to fix our minds and our hearts. All right? Now, nothing wrong with trying to fix the world. Go for it. See how you do. Um, put your skills to work. Use your time. Serious. Go, go for it. There's nothing wrong with that. We all should do our part, whatever that part is. But here's the thing. Um, the thing to find calm, peace, is you have to fix this. And that's what the Bible calls faith. So there's a story. It's in um, Mark's gospel. It's in Matthew's gospel. Um, Jesus is with the disciples. They're in the boat. And uh, all of a sudden, this storm comes up. And uh, Matthew 8, it says... The waves start to sweep over the boat. And uh, the thing that you know about chaos when it comes to your life is you don't get to pick the time. Wouldn't it be great if you just schedule the storms to come in your life? You know, it's, you know I'm feeling pretty well rested. Things are kind of calm at work. God, hit me up next Tuesday. I'll be ready for a storm. You just, you're there at Usually they come at the worst possible times, and it feels like you're going to drown. The waves sweep over your boat. The disciples, uh, they're, they're crying out in fear. Um, but Jesus is what? Sleeping. I mean, if you don't get this metaphor, if you don't get this story, you, you don't get it. What, what's this about? This was about they were all in the same storm. They were all in the same boat. One was sleeping. The others were what? Panicked. Terrified. Faith should move you from panic, terror, all these other kinds of anxiety to calm. Faith should, should make you calm. The funny thing is people today, faith makes people like all kinds of things but calm. 
But the thing, the, the tangible thing that faith should produce in your life is it should make you calm. Jesus was asleep. He wasn't worried. He wasn't stressed out. So I don't know what's chaotic in your life today. I'm not minimizing it. I'm just saying very frankly, everyone has it. Everyone has it at a different season. Everyone has it for a different period of time. But chaos is a part of us dealing with life. And I don't know what your chaos is. But what I would like to say is what I'd like to offer you during this series is the ability to sleep in the storm. I want to offer you faith. Faith that is not just here but moves to here and actually has an experience in your life. You experience faith. You experience peace. Jesus, of course, gets up. He calms the the wind and the waves, you know, and it's perfectly still. And I think what a lot of people take out of the stories in Scripture is they take, God's going to fix my storm. And I think that's always possible, right? And I think that's what's there to show. God's always in control. But I think that misses the point of the story, doesn't it? I think the point of the story is God can get you asleep. The other day, I just... I did a, uh, yesterday, I did a funeral here. I had a series of them, and, and uh, it was a little chaotic, which was good in a way because there were all these little kids there, and the family just decided they were going to just let it go. It was, it was a beautiful celebration, um, a loving couple in our church, some of the oldest, longest standing members of Orchard Grove, and the husband and wife died within um, 15 weeks of each other. So we were getting ready to do her funeral. He was already ailing, and he fell a couple days before, and they said, put it on hold. We're going to do it together. And they were married for, you know, uh, 65 years. And anyway, so the kids are running around, and, you know, and I'm, I'm like trying to hold Charlie down. And their kids, they decide it's okay. They just said, it's our family. We're having a celebration. It's okay. The kids are running around. So Charlie's running around. People are speaking. And I'm like, ah, anybody been there? Like, ah, this isn't good, you know. Halfway through the service, well, actually, when I started to speak, she's out. Starts snoring right over here in the front. (laughs) I want to teach you how to snore in the chaos of life. That's what I want to teach you. That's what I want to teach you. You say, Chris, that's not impossible. I mean, panic is the, and, and all the stuff that goes with anxiety is all stuff that makes you worse. Jesus taught against anxiety for a reason. Not because he's all angry and upset because you have anxiety, because he wants to make you better. You're a better version of you when you're not anxious. Hmm? How are you doing when you're, when you're fighting with your significant other? Huh? Are you calm? Are you just nice, easy, slow processing thoughts? Or is there chaos? What did, what did you, Tommy call it? The circus in your mind? We're going to talk about that. You, you're at the worst when you're full of anxiety. And our society is at its worst when we're full of anxiety. And so Jesus taught against us. And so he, he says in the Sermon on the Mount, we're just going to keep trying to revisit this and drill this into ourself as we go through the series. He says, Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Anxiety is always connected to tomorrow, but not tomorrow in reality. This is key. Anxiety is connected to your thoughts about tomorrow. 
That's the key, the circus in your mind, the monkey mind as we call it. Anybody ever talk to yourself? Huh? You say some crazy stuff up there. You just get going and going and going. And what Jesus says is don't think about, give no thought. Don't think about tomorrow. Now, that's not in a literal sense. Don't ever, you know, make a plan, you know, to go to your mom's for dinner. But this is what he's saying is you get, you get going. Your mind gets moving into that lane. And, man, it's almost like a train wreck. And so he says, don't worry about tomorrow. You're not going to be able to help your life. You're only going to hinder it. Proverbs says this. Anxiety weighs a man down. This is weighing you down. And faith, it frees you up. And so we're going to pick up here. I'm going to start at the beginning. Genesis 1. Genesis 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the, that's the introduction. That's Genesis 1.1. So that's like the summary. This is what this is about. In the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth. Now, verse 2, it gets into it. By the way, I'm going to teach you um, five minutes of, eight and a half minutes of teaching. Anybody with me? You might want to just learn a little something. I'll go over here. Uh, anybody want to learn just a little something today? I'll just teach you a little something if you want, if you're interested. If you're interested. And no, no, too late for that. Uh, just a little something. Scripture is full of metaphors. By the way, this will help you. Um, what I'm going to try to explain to you will actually help you. This will give you a, an understanding of Scripture that can carry you out of your teen years, out of your college years. So the, one of the big problems is most of us were taught a, a version of Scripture. Nothing wrong with learning Scripture. I think that's absolutely a beautiful thing. But how you understand it um, can be everything. This can be everything. How you understand it can be everything. You remember when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he says about the Scripture, how do you read it? Not do you read it. They read it. How do you read it? How you read something is huge. So while I'm teaching you this, I'm going to teach you also something on the side about how you read things because that can take you through college. How, how, how many of you know this? The day, the day kids get to college, they say goodbye to this. I mean day one. Now, it could be happened you know, four days before. It could happen two years before. But basically what happens generally, is they get to college and they go, see ya. Now, some of you have students who've hung through it and they're like, they were there for college initiation week looking for a church. Your kid was like me, weird. <laughs> so at least I threw myself in there. And they're abnormal. That's not what most of them, I'm just telling you. Because we didn't teach them this. And this is what we need to teach them. Do you remember Jesus talking about wines and old wineskins. So you'd have a wineskin was, was elastic. And they would put wine in there. And new wine and new wineskins, a fresh wineskin could expand like this. When something is old and brittle, it can't, what? Can't expand anymore. What we've unfortunately given 
a generation or two or six, I don't know, is a, a, an old wineskin understanding of the scripture. It's just this. It's, it's rigid. It can't expand. It can't move. And therefore, when something is shoved in there that doesn't fit in the boxes, they go to college and they start learning some stuff and somebody gave them an only rigid, literal, that's it type of understanding of the Bible, and they check out. What if you gave them a beautiful Christ-like way of understanding this incredible book? So we'll start at the beginning. It'll be a long service. <laughs> Verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, chaotic waters. Scripture starts with chaotic waters. One of the most important things you have to do to understand Scripture, you have to understand the driving metaphors. The driving metaphors. And one of the, one of the problems is if we don't use the same metaphors today that they use, you don't realize it's a metaphor. You don't get the whole story. Um. The story that we read in the New Testament, obviously it's connected to this story. And, and by the way, they, it, it's driven all the way through. So what happens, you start with chaotic waters. If you go all the way to the end, Revelation, what does it say? <laughs> there is a river, right, of the water of what? What happened? They tamed that water. They tamed that water. And they channeled it, and they turned it into a river that brought nourishment. In biblical times, people were scared of the water. The water represented chaos, evil. And any historian, if you, any serious historian will tell you this, if you study this, that they, they were just terrified. And I could go example after example of example of a scripture where they saw sea monsters and they saw like gods fighting in the water. Whenever there was a storm, they assumed that these gods were fighting each other. And this was the worldview. They didn't have a modern scientific understanding the way we do. So this was their worldview, and they needed someone to calm it. The point was this. The sea always represented chaos. In the beginning, there was what? Chaos. If you go all the way to the end, there is calm. That's the story of Scripture. The message I'm giving you today is this story. God takes the chaotic waters and turns it into calm, the river of the water of life. The thing that you're experiencing, chaos, whatever it is, you can't control it. So what has to happen is you have to learn to go inside to fix something that you can't fix on the outside. How many fixers do we have out there? 
Oh, you fixers, right? I got it, I got it. So let me get my tool belt here and to handle this problem. Um, one of the things that they, 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 they talk about over and over again is like a lot of times when you have, uh, when you're counseling, you know, couples in a situation, you know, someone's sharing their problem and the other person's already what? Fixing it. Oh, I got it. You don't even need to finish because I got it. I figured. And anybody have a fight brewing here? All I wanted to do was express my frustration, express my cast. But the fixers, what they like to do is to take control of things. Now, you should always take control of what you can take control of. So faith is not just sitting back and doing nothing. That's not what faith is per se. God gave you the ability, the, the hands, the brains, all that. The problem is, the problem comes in when something gets beyond our ability to control. There's stuff that is outside of the, our ability. And faith is what you activate when you realize, I can't control this. I can't fix this. Anybody have, your kids give you anxiety? I can't fix this. I can't control this. It's so frustrating because for a long time you could guide it, you could steer it, you could somewhat control it. And then they get to an age and it's like, I can't do it. I, 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 have, to, I have to release this. If, if you try to control things that are outside of your control, you, you will make yourself absolutely sick. And so... Anxiety weighs you down, it pulls you under, and what faith does is it sets you free. So, what do I do when I can't control it? You go inside. Um, Luke 19, it says this, the kingdom of God is within you. Some ways, in my humble estimation, one of the most important uh, verses, or I'll call it an idea, in the scripture. The kingdom of God is within you. In other words, when you find within, that's why, why Paul said, you know, don't be anxious, but by prayer, you go within and you say, you know what? God's going to give me somehow the capacity to handle this. And what you do, just the way you talked yourself into anxiety, you got to talk yourself out of anxiety. Ready? I'm going to teach you. Talk yourself out of anxiety. Talk yourself out of it. Now, the first thing that you start to realize somewhere along the line is you do talk to yourself. And that's an important thing to acknowledge because that means there's a little attacking voice in there, a little accusing voice, which is the scripture also personified also as the Satan, right? The accuser. That's that little voice. Boom, boom, boom. You're not this enough. You're not that enough. You didn't do this right. You, you screwed this up. Uh, you're not a good mom. You, it's that voice. Anybody have the voice? Anybody have the voice? That means you're human. So what happens is you have to talk. Your, this is not going to work out. This is going to be really bad. This is going to be really bad. Who here has ever made a really bad decision? <laughs> now think about this. <laughs> Just survey, survey. 
Is it because you were just calm and rational and just thinking it all the way through? Usually, no. Usually, it was at the height of chaos, anxiety, and you just went too quickly. You just jumped. You just, and you, you make bad decisions. You, so what you do, the storm comes. The waves are coming over the boat. You got to get to calm. You got to get to the pillow. You got to get this to rest. Greatest skill you'll ever learn. Get this thing to rest. Um, remember when Moses gets the burning bush? God speaks to him out of the burning bush and he says, um, go on top of the mountain, you know, and when you go on top of the mountain, be there. Well, that's kind of a silly thing to say. If I'm on top of the mountain, then I'm there. But have you ever been somewhere but you aren't there? That's some of you right now, actually. I can see a couple of you. You aren't actually here. And this is human nature because instead of like paying attention to what's here, what's right here, what you're doing is thinking about, well, you know, if he'd hurry up, da, da, da. Our inability, first of all, to live right here, go in the mountain and then be there, and then be there. Get yourself here first. First way to calm your mind, get yourself here. All the stuff you're worried about has not happened. Think about it. It has not happened. I mean, whatever did happen, yeah, but this person just ran into my car. I know, but that already, but worry is always about attaching your fears and concerns and stories about tomorrow into your head and it just ruins right here. This is what's right here. And so Jesus was saying, you live in today, you, you seal off tomorrow and yesterday, and you live in this particular moment. Think about the, just think about this. Think about people that you're impressed with. And you sit and you're talking to them. Are they the ones that are always like, yeah, that's great, man, yeah, thanks very much. Looking over you, looking past you, looking for something else. Are they ones that somehow they dial down and they go, hmm. Think about it. They're, they, they're in the moment. The, the key to freeing yourself from all of this anxiety and all this is you have to be in the present moment. Noah. Right? Remember the story? It's going to rain. It's going to rain. All right, free advice for you. Ready? This is for you. Sometime in your life. It's going to rain. It rains. I don't know. No, no. I mean, it's going to rain. It's going to come down. And then when you think it's done, it's just going to keep coming. When you think it's it's just going to keep coming and it's going to keep coming. Have you ever read the story of Noah? Have you ever actually sat and read it? Like, for, It's hard to actually read when does it ever stop raining. There's all these time frames. It rained for 40 days and nights, but it had rained for like a year. And then it, I don't know how much it rained, but it just rained a lot. And then it rained some more, and then it rained some more. What do you do? You build a boat. You go inside. You go inside. You got to go inside. The biggest problem that we have with, with dealing with anxiety in life is that we go outside. We've got to go inside. 
You have to go inside. You always have to go inside. Which is why, which is exactly why some people can be so calm and they can have all of this storm, chaos around them. And some people can have this relatively easy life. You know, they're just there. They're at the country club and they're mad at everybody. I was talking to a person. They worked at a country club and they said, it's like hell. <laughs> Everybody's mad all the time. Nothing's good enough. Like, hmm, that's in- isn't that interesting? What is that saying? Is it saying about the conditions or is it saying about the mindset? This isn't good enough. This isn't good enough. This isn't right enough. This isn't fair enough. The key is not out here. The key, the kingdom of God is within. So it's within. It's within yourself. It's within the moment. And then you go in the ark and then you ride it out. So stops raining. Noah comes out, send out a bird, right? Go see what's out there. (sighs) I'm ready for this storm to be over. I'm ready to get out. It's not over yet. Water starts receding. It's not over yet. Got to send out another one. It's not over yet. What do you do? This is such a, what do you do when you're in a storm that that is the mother of all storms? Ready? You ride it out. You ride it out. You get up the next day and you just ride it out. There's no fancy advice here. One of the things that you do is you just, just get up one day at a time. We'll take this one day at a time. Tomorrow we'll get up. We'll deal with what we can deal with. We'll do it one day at a time. Let me closing two things. First, do what you can do. Do what you can do. There's something you can do. Stop worrying about what you can't do. Stop worrying. Give all your energy. Stop giving any energy to the stuff you can't control. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out and I'm going to. Noah, he builds the ark. You know, one of the greatest things that you can do for yourself is to do some physical labor. Have you ever found this to be true? In a, in a non physical Primarily, I will say more. I'm not judging because I know some of you work very hard with your hands, and so God bless you. Um, honestly, God bless you. But you, more and more, you meet people, and it's like, well, I just sit at my computer all day, and I, I sit at my computer all day, and good. It's just how life has changed. But if you physically go out and do something, this will immediately begin to change you. You you immediately feel different. You go out and you start to physically do something. Do something constructive. Noah builds this ark. He just builds it. What's happening when you're building something constructive, when you're doing something? Ask somebody who you respect. They'll tell you. You go out and start gardening. You you start fixing something in your house. You you go through the, the garage attic or something, you clean something out that needed to be. But honestly, you will feel something change in you because I'm going to control something. This is something I can control. I, I can't fix everything that's happening on the other side of the world. I can't fix everything that's happening in Washington, D.C. But you know what? I can fix my garage. I just, I'm just going to do this. You start to change because I, I can take care of this. And we'll start to alleviate. 
So you go within, you do something physical without, you live in, in, in a day-tight compartment, and then you talk to yourself. Talk to yourself. Ready? You counteract all the bad voices with good ones. Right? This is where you get out the refrigerator verses. Right? This is where you get out the ones that say, if God is for me, who could be against me? Right? All things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. You just start using them. Jeremiah, right? Jeremiah 29. I know the plans you have for me, declares the Lord. Plans to give me a hope and a future. You just keep saying these things over and over and over. And you start to talk your way out of anxiety. You convince yourself to calm. It's... It's like troubling how much anxiety there is in our world. Way more than there needs to be. Life's hard enough. But when you start to pile on with your thoughts, it just compounds the problem. So get your pillow out. Hmm? Fluff it up. Get ready for that storm. You, when everyone's panicking and the waves come and you, you just, you go within. You find a place of peace. Scripture calls it prayer. Prayer was not just, oh, God, here's the 20 things that I need. Prayer, first and always, foremost, changes who? Me. Changes here. Perfect peace have those whose minds are stayed on thee. How do you get Peace. Put your mind on God. That's how you get peace. That's how you get peace. Let's stand. We'll have a closing prayer.